0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofa Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share.
1: Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He's a good God. He's a good Father. Amen. Uh, you must excuse me. I've only been saved for a couple of years, something 25 years or so. So I'm still in the honeymoon phase. It seems to be increasing. I don't know about... <laughs> it also might have to do something with the fact that I've got the best wife in the world, but that's just it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> father, I just want to thank you. You're so good. You're such a good father. You're such a good king. It's so easy to serve you, God. When When I see you, when I look around me, it's sometimes difficult, but when I see you, God, your commandments are not burdensome, God. It's an absolute privilege and an honor to be your son and your daughter that you would pick someone like me, God. Wow. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for beautiful brothers and sisters, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that to the you promise that to the increase of your government there shall be no end. So, Father, tonight as your word is being, as your word goes forth, I pray, God, that there will be an increase of your government, of your rule and of your reign in our lives and through our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay. uh, Tonight I want to share something with regards, I shared it in the Afrikaans service. Oh yes, I've got an Afrikaans word for you, whoever you are are Afrikaans, whoever you are really good at Afrikaans. Okay, okay. the previous Afrikaans word that I got, no Afrikaans person that I've met could explain to me, Raik Olsend, I know you're impressed now, but, but I've got another one for you. Yumol gewelv. I'm hoping I'm, pre- I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> it means mighty heavens. Who eh? Whoever you? Come on, be honest. Who of you knew that? Oh yes, you heard it this morning. Oh good. So we, um, I'm growing in this Afrikaans' services immensely, and uh, <laughs> uh, so we, I, I, to Previous times I shared upon on sonship and being children of God, and uh, whoever you were here when we spoke about that that we are all children of God, all offspring, technon of God. Uh, Sometimes we are infants, mere infants, nipios and brephos. Sometimes we're a little bit like young men, not fully grown yet, and Pi and paedon. And, uh, but there's a specific condition of sonship that is attributed to Jesus. Always when they talk about Jesus as the Son of Man or the Son of God, they always refer to Jesus as Huyos, which uh, not so much... It is maturity, but it's it's more an attitude of living or an attitude of understanding our sonship. And Jesus said that he is here to do the will of the Father. He's not here on his own mission. He's not here with his own agenda, with his own set of plans. He's simply here. Whatever he hears the Father saying, he wants to say. Whatever he sees the Father doing, he wants to do. And he actually says to his disciples that my food, my sustenance, the very thing that sustains me, is to do the will of my Father. And that absolute obedience, uh, to be able to hear the voice of the Father and then simply to do what the Father tells him to do. And uh, so tonight I want to talk a little bit about that, some more with regard to the issue of obedience. Um, And first of all, I hope that video clip works. Um, Whoever you know on YouTube, The Bible Project. Uh, Great stuff, eh? So if you've seen this, just pretend you didn't. Okay, and uh, (laughs) just enjoy it again. It's just a a short little clip that uh, talks to us about a word called Shema, meaning that we hear and obey as one concept in the Hebrew mindset. Can we try and do that? I hope there's sound in it.
0: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema, hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20. Ears that shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son, and she names him Simon, or in Hebrew, Shimon, because, she says, the Lord has shamad that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to, and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listened psalm 27 verse 7 shema my voice when i call O lord be merciful answer me so asking god to shema is at the same time asking god to act to do something it's similar to when god asks people to listen like when the people of israel come to mount sinai god says if you shema me fully and keep my covenant then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession Now, there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so, in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action, and that's the Hebrew word Shema. Okay. Hey, guys, thank you.
1: I really want to encourage you if you want to the Bible project. Really has some some nice stuff. Just how they how they explain and give outlines on specific books. That's really good to look at. And uh, I really just enjoy um, how they how they unpack stuff. If you want to listen to more of the stuff, the one guy Tim Mackey. If you want to go and listen to some of his teachings, he gets really deep. Uh, and uh, um, but it's just very good summary. So. Maybe I just want you to, tonight, just just to try and remember that word whenever. And I know that we have been speaking and some of the speakers and some of the guys that have been preaching here have, have sort of zoned in on how do you read the Bible and how do you approach the word. And for me, this is a an incredible easy way when you read the scriptures that whenever you come to a celebration like this, or when you do Bible study on your own, or when you sit in a small group and you encounter the word of God is, it's a very simple way of, of asking yourself, am I reading it just to gain information? Or am I reading this and thinking, how can I do this? Because in James, it says that if we are only hearers of the word, but we don't do it, We deceive ourselves and so it's many times not really the devil that deceives us i I think it's many times according to the word the truth of the word because we we hear the word and we want to acquire more knowledge and we we're after more understanding but we don't actually intend when we read the word we don't actually intend to do it and it's so important and such a such an easy way to read the Bible and to ask of yourself, even after a sermon like tonight, okay, so what am I going to do about it? And in your conversations with fellow Christians, i.e. discipleship, is that to ask yourself and to ask the people that you are discipling and ask people who are discipling you, listen, how can I apply this word? How can I actually Give flesh to this word, how I, how can I do this word that it doesn 't just become part of my Christian jargon it doesn 't become just part of my theoretical mindset but it becomes a way of life that I can do this over and over again and see the power of God in my life. Um, if we and just um, connecting that to um, to the thing about wheels, I want us to go quickly to. To the book of Hebrews, I can just find that. Yeah. If you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter five. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For through, for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness and since he is a child, an nipios. But solid food is for the mature or the teleon, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the word is clear here that it that says that there is there is milk for the unskilled, for those that but there is solid food for those who are, who are mature and how do we become mature? How do we how are we conformed to that image of the Son Jesus Christ, the Huyos, the Telion, the mature? How do we how do we become mature? And the word of God is quite clear by constant practice, not by once of tries. I think a lot of us have tried stuff once, but the word of God says that we become skilled by consistent practice of the word of God and consistently being involved in practicing the word of God. In in Deuteronomy 29 verse 29, it says the secret things belongs to God, but those things that he reveals belongs to us, not to me. Only, but it belongs to us. So when God reveals something, it belongs to us. And it doesn't only belong to us, it also belongs to our children forever, so that we were what? Is it there? That we, it was there? Okay, there. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belongs to us and to our children forever, that we may do. Not just merely know. And I think sometimes in our, in our quest for more knowledge is that we will always want a new teaching, we always want the freshest revelation, and we always want new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. And there's nothing wrong with new stuff. I'm just advocating that we should be doing the old stuff. And it's not wrong to have a quest for knowledge of new stuff, but sometimes we get bogged down in, 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 in new stuff, but we neglect things that God has already given us and we neglect the consistent practice and the doing of what God has given us. So I want to encourage us that one of the best ways when you approach the word of God and and I'm going to give you some practical exercises to do for the next two weeks and and we're going to make it very easy. I'm going to give you portions of scriptures to go and do. That doesn't require a lot of you know Greek and Hebrew words to understand what is the abomination of the desolation, uh, but just really stuff that Paul and the writers of the New Testament just give us practical stuff to do let's like meditate on whatever is good, and uh, that we that we actually start by cultivating a culture of I'm gonna engage with the word of God. I'm gonna to listen to the word of God with the intention to obey, with the intention to do what God tells me, with the intention to be a practitioner of the word and not just a practitioner of knowledge. That yet I want to become skilled with a consistent application of the word because I want to become I want to be mature. I want to get to the solid food. I want to Get to that solid food that the writer of the Hebrew speaks about that he says is reserved for those. It's a condition. It's not unconditional. It's not given to everybody. It's given to those that have come to maturity. And I believe that at the base of Christianity, at the very basis and the very foundation of Christianity and the basis of a life of Christ and the example of Christ is that he was fully obedient. He was fully obedient, and he didn't just become obedient. You know, some people think, "Oh, but that was Jesus." You know, he was just born obedient. You know, he 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 just came into the world and he was perfect, and 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 he, and, and he he just he just knew obedience. But the word states differently. He says, "Though he was a son, he learned obedience through what? Through the things that he suffered." So I'm not advocating that. Obeying God is always easy. Whoever you found that it's always easy. I I found many times that God have asked me to do stuff, or not really asked me, but commanded me to do stuff. And and uh, yes, we that's 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 another thing. I would can I park that thought? I just want to say that I think in the world that we live in, we live in a democracy, and we and yet we have to live by kingdom principles, and we the only. Reference that we really have of a real king is the queen um, of England, and we know that she doesn't really rule Britain. Okay, they have great parties and great weddings, but, you know, there are prime ministers that make decisions for the United Kingdom. I, I hope the queen doesn't listen to this, but... Okay. <laughs> but we are, we, we, are used to, we are used to that, you know, my vote counts, I vote people in and I decide who my leaders are and I'm going to vote for them. And if my guy gets in, I'm very happy. And if my guy doesn't get in, you know, I'll obey the rules. But it won't really be with a lot of joy just to keep me out of trouble. And and we like to be asked. But in the times of kings, kings commanded and people obeyed. That's how it worked. And if you obeyed a king, it went well with you. If you did not obey the king, it would not go so well with you. Especially if it was a bad king. But I think that sometimes we, when we hear the word obedience or obey, it doesn't conjure up always, you know, this is safety, this is, this is beauty, this is, this is great. It's sometimes like, <laughs> You won't tell me what to do. And we almost sometimes have to sort of force ourselves to obey. And so obedience is sometimes difficult, and I think the more headstrong we are, and the more strong world we are, we we struggle sometimes with obedience. Uh, in the in the Azusa Street revival, you know William um, Seymour, the guy that uh, was used in the revival, they said that. As the the stories about the revival started, the the great preachers would start arriving at the revival and wanting to preach. And then uh, William Seymour uh, would just gently tell them, uh, please, sir, you are in the flesh now. Uh, Will you please sit down? And and he says, many a strong-willed man died slow, painful deaths. (laughs) And I think sometimes when we, I think it's great that we are strong-willed sometimes, but sometimes when it comes to dying to self, it works against us. But at the very basic foundation of obedience, I believe that Christianity and a life that resembles the life of Christ is simply a life that is obedient to the will of the Father. Obedience. There's an old song, Trust and Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And who of you you think of yourself as a radical Christian? It's all right, you can put your hand right up. Be radical. Be be fully radical. (laughs) You can keep your hands up. You actually, ah, that's good. Radical. Come, who's radical? Yeah, three guys in the back Say for the first time. Oh no, see us. <laughs> okay. Now many times when we hear the word radical and uh if you know me for a while and I I'm I'm I love reading and, and I love words and 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 I know that every word has a has an emotional tag to it and And when we say certain words, it conjures up certain feelings in us. And and if I say Father, those of you that have grown up with fathers that have been really loving or have had a revelation of the love of the Father, uh, of God the Father, we would most probably have like, oh, that's so good. And people that have grew up without a father or maybe an abusive father would not have such a great experience of that. We can also do that with McDonald's. And uh, some of you will say, great, let's go now. Other people say, we don't eat that. We'd rather eat the cardboard that is packaged in. So every word has has an emotional or a thought connected for us. And when we use this word radical, we sometimes think just by the show of hands that some of you were so humble that you are really radical, but you just didn't want to put up your hand. And that is, that is wonderful. But we, we almost think when we hear the word radical, we think, man, that is someone extraordinary. That is someone that is like a super Christian. And they are really sold out for God. But actually, if you go and look at the word radical, the, the, the Latin meaning of the word means root or foundation. So actually, if you are rooted in Christ... And if you are saved, I want to say to you that your life is hidden in Christ. It is rooted in Christ. That you are actually already radical. You are already a radical Christian. We should actually make that a compulsory adjective to Christianity. Because there is nothing else. In fact, if if you are in for mediocrity or moderate Christianity, uh, you invoke a spitting response by God. Because God says, I would rather that you be cold or hot, but now you are lukewarm. Now, I would rather have you like, ah, or nothing, because if you, so-so. I want to spit you out. There's a wonderful Mandarin word for for so-so. It's mama (laughs) hoo-hoo. So if you would ask a a Mandarin person, a Chinese-speaking person, and you say, ni hao ma, and it's going so-so, you would say, mama hoo-hoo. Mama who is usually not it's going great, it's going so so so. And so I want to I want to say to you that a radical Christian is simply a Christian that is not happy to be moderate about Christianity. And I'm going to give you a couple of uh, meanings for the word radical. It means the dictionary says it relates or affects the fundamental nature of something. It is far-reaching, and it is thorough. So I want to ask you, as a Christian, do you want to be associated or affected and affecting the fundamental nature of what it means to be a Christian? I mean, isn't that what Paul talks about? or oh, this sorry, the writer to the Hebrews. Okay. Let's call him Paul for now. Okay. Not... The real Paul, just Paul. Okay. (laughs) And when he says, by this time, you should have been teaching others, but now I've got to teach you the fundamentals again. I've got to teach you the foundational, the root stuff again. And actually, we as Christians should be very well rooted and grounded in the Word of God and rooted and grounded in the love of God and founded upon the love of God. The An antonym for this means to be superficial. So it's radical or you are superficial. Anybody want superficial Christianity? Nobody has the guts to put up their hands for that. Okay, because we all, nobody wants superficial Christianity. The opposite of superficial, according to the dictionary, is radical. I think sometimes in Christianity, we just need, we don't need greater theology, we just need grammar lessons. Many times when we have bad leadership, people want no leadership. Okay, here's the grammar lesson. What is the opposite of bad? Good, not no. But Christians are just really bad at grammar sometimes. So they define themselves, bad leadership, no leadership. No, it's just good or godly leadership. So you're either radical or you're superficial. Who wants to be superficial? Nobody. So then everybody is radical, or at least wants to be radical. It, means, it also means the following. If, we, if you talk about a surgery, a surgical procedure, if you talk about radical surgery, it talks about a thorough method of surgery. It has the intention to be completely. And heal the person. <laughs> That's simply being radical. When we pray for healing, do you want to be radical? Do you want your prayers and your life? If God shows you that there's, there's healing available in Jesus Christ. If you are radical, you want to pray not for partial healing. You want to pray for that there will be a complete, there will be a complete work of Christ in the lives of people. This is all part of being radical according to the dictionary, just good English. It is characterized by a departure from tradition. It speaks about innovation or progression. Okay. Whoever you have come from expressions, I'm not talking about different churches, but I'm talking about expressions where your relationship with Christ has been dictated by you by the traditions of men. And God brought you into a measure of freedom, into a measure of Showing you a way more excellent. Showing you a way that there's a way more excellent and there are going to be more ways excellent until we become exactly like Jesus. So being radical is being involved in a process of progression, of being made new, innovation to be made new by God continuously. This is being radical. It means a springing direct from the root or the stem base of the plant of of a plant, in fact, when you have a little seed and you put the seed in the ground, the first root that comes out is called a radical it's called a radical. it is the very root, and let's let's quickly go, even in informal language, newest language uh it means very good or excellent, okay, seven o'clock then radical, okay, so <laughs> Even in normal, in modern English, it means something very good. It can also mean a person who advocates complete reform, a member of a party or organization that wants complete transformation. Who wants that? I mean, that's what we're all praying for, inner transformation, the transformation of our communities, the transformation of society. I also want to, just when we talk about radical or the root, um, let's go to Jeremiah 17, verse 7 to 8. It said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that send out its root by the stream. And he does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, And it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I'm reading from the ESV, I'm not quite sure, is that more or less the same. So, when we think about being radical, being radical Christians and and that first root, that rootedness, that first root that forms a tap root, that, that really settles and anchors that plant and makes sure that it can grow, And that is referred to as a radical. And the word of God speaks to us when we, blessed are you, if you are planted next to a stream, and not just planted. So, because you can plant anything next to a stream, but what really causes this, what really causes this plant to keep on producing, it doesn't matter what the season is, is that its roots is rooted into the very source. Why a root is there? To get water to sustain that which is above. And, it, and it's a wonderful promise here in Isaiah for us as Christians, if we are truly rooted in Christ. And, and that's why I, I, I so love when, when, whenever we sing about love, because that's the one thing in Ephesians 3 when, when Paul prays, I think he's just continuing, continuing his prayer from chapter 1. But he he talks about that out of the rich treasury of God's glory that God would strengthen us, the believers, with might in our inner man by the Holy Spirit. So that Christ might dwell in our hearts by faith. And then he, in the Amplified, he said that we would be founded upon love and rooted firmly in love. And that because of this rootedness in the love of God. This is the song, the one song that we sang this, uh, this evening. That when we are rooted in the love of God. There will be, and the roots are not always seen. It's, it's sort of, John Andrew spoke to us about the backstage and the front stage. That which is seen and that which is not seen in our lives. And what happens here in this backstage, if there's a rootedness in Christ, then when the heat comes, when the hard times come, we can withstand the, ha- the hard times. Even when there's, there's, in times of drought, we will keep on bearing fruit because i've heard so, such a lot of christians you know you know i'm a, i'm in a bit of a winter time and i believe in the seasons of god but i also believe in in the river of god and i believe in the seasons of men but there's a season uh, there's there's the river of god and when when you read in revelation there's this double river that flows from the throne of god and and there's trees on both sides of the river and and these trees they just don't bear fruit in season they bear fruit all year round and i think that there is a place in our own humanity where there's less fruit than others but i do believe that supernaturally that we can come to a place if our rootedness is in christ and if there's this radicalness that we will not settle for being superficial but we will allow the word of god to really penetrate our hearts that we will truly allow ourselves to be so rooted in the word of God. And we are radical in the sense that Jesus was radical. Jesus was radical in the sense that I'm going to do the will of the father. I'm not going to let culture, I'm not going to let the covenant stop me. I'm going to do the will of my father. I'm not going to stop doing that. And that radicalness or that rootedness in the word of God, the rootedness in the life of Christ will cause us to have supernatural fruit bearing. Because otherwise as soon uh you know if I decide I'm a summer fruit person, you know then winter nothing happens. And then people have to wait for my spring. But I believe there's something if we are planted and and planted and rooted next to this river of God and, and rooted our roots go down into the very sustenance into the very provision of life source of the water that that causes that tree to grow that we will be able to withstand droughts even and we will be able not to not only to to survive the season but even in seasons of discomfort we would be able. To to be green, we would be able to provide shade, not only for ourselves, but for others. That we will be able to bear fruit, not for ourselves, not only for ourselves, but for others too. And I believe that is what the Lord is calling us to. And He wants to redeem this word, that if you are rooted in Christ, and if if you have a deep desire to say, God, I want a Shema. I don't just want to hear... I want to hear and then I want to do. I want to listen when I read your word, when I, when I, when I open the Bible I, and I engage you in your word, God. I want you to show me how I can do this. And I understand that we, that some preachers, Tani Joyce, she did say, we are not human doings, we are human beings. And that is true. But human beings that have no doings is just lazy. (laughs) So I think in essence, if we have been with Jesus, we want to do something. If I've truly spent time with God, I at least want to go and love someone. I at least want to go and tell someone about this amazing, great, good news That Jesus came to save me. And he came to save you. And he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. I believe every time uh, that we've been with Jesus and we've truly understood what it meant to be with Jesus. Because just being with Jesus will not change you. Peter was with the glorified Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he wanted to pitch tents. It wasn't a bad idea. It was just not God's idea. So sometimes we can enjoy the presence of God, but I have no intention to change. So then we come next week again, and we're in the presence again, and we have this wonderful experience. But if you're not changing, you've got to decide, I want to change. I just... I want to be with Jesus so that I can become like Jesus. And God, give me an understanding of what this experience means. Give me an understanding how, what to do about this experience. I think sometimes we, we get so overwhelmed that we experience the presence of Jesus that we forsake the moment of changing. We forsake the moment of changing because we are sometimes just overcome by the overwhelming feeling that we are in His presence, and I, and I love that as much as the next guy. I just love that. I just love to to lie and uh, and please. Uh, I'm, when I say soak, I, I, I'm not proclaiming a new method. I'm just I, I love being with Jesus. I I love the presence of God, and but I always I wanna I wanna know God you know, I want to be like you, Jesus. Is there, is there something that I can change now? Is there, is there something that I can change that my mind does not align what you say? I want to think differently. I want to repent. I want to change God. Is there someone that I hurt, God? Is there, is there something that I, is there some person that I need to extend forgiveness or ask for forgiveness for? Is there somewhere that I can express my love? And it's not like I'm trying. I'm not trying to tell God thanks the experience, can I now do something? I'm not trying to buy something back from God, but I truly believe that if we've been in the presence of God, and we've been overwhelmed by the love of God, what does love do? For God so loved the world that He gave. I believe if we've truly been in the presence of God, I want to give it away. I, I want to share it with someone. If it's good news, I want to share it with someone. Just imagine, just imagine in your wildest dream that Kevin Anderson won Wimbledon tonight. You want to tell someone. Now you don't want to tell someone, do you? But you want to, if there's good news, you want to tell someone. You want to. You want to share it with someone. And that is the very essence of love, is that love wants to give. Love is not expected to give. We don't give because we want to earn love, but once we have received love, the logical outpouring of that is I want to give love I want to share that with other people and so I want to encourage you all that you that you are radical if you are rooted in Christ, you are radical there is the potential of you to express your rootedness in Christ by the fruit that is. That you bear. By the comfort. By the sharing of what you are. With other people. Of those that might not have it. There's a rootedness. That is called. A radical. If you want to be. Associated with superficial Christianity. I don't know. How you do that. I suppose traditionally. you, You go to church. You read your bible but nothing changes yourself you don't change and you have no capacity to bring transformation to your society around you but for every one of us there is this thing that god can speak to you and you are able you are able to do something about that let me give you some some homework let go to, you can choose between two verses. The one, uh, <laughs> there's one in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14 to 22. Uh, so that's eight verses, if my mathematics is okay. And the other one is Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. That's only five verses. So some of you uh, might like that better. Okay, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14 to 22. It says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. Who of you know some of your friends that are really struggling and are not doing well? Anyone? You can do something about that right now. You can get on your phone, you can WhatsApp them, and you can encourage them. There's something that you can do right now. There is something that you can do later on this evening. There's something that you can do tomorrow. There is something that you can do to obey that word I want to tell you that when people speak about obedience to God and they talk about it as a big subject it always sounds too big it always sounds like oh that's for the radical Christians they obey God well now you have been released you're all radical you are all radical turn to the person next to you and say you are more radical than you think I'm stealing that from Andre Krier he just calls it more anointed okay so Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. This week, help the weak. So these couple of weeks, see if you can find someone that you, that you recognize. You can see it's a person that's in, in physical weakness. Maybe that weakness is an old, an, an old lady that's crossing the street or carrying groceries, and maybe it's somebody, somebody physically weak. Maybe somebody on crutches. Just go and help the weak. And we can obey, we can teach ourselves, we can learn obedience. And it doesn't have to be great stuff. It can be small, very manageable stuff that we can do to obey the word of God. And I believe if we teach and train ourselves in the things that are little, the Lord will appoint us over much. So be patient with everybody. That's a good one. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to good, to do good to one another and to everyone. So in the next two weeks, at least once a day, ask the Lord for an opportunity that you can do good to someone that's close to you. Just seek to ask the Lord, Lord, what is there that I can do to, to bless that person? What can I do to make their lives easier? What can I do to make them feel valued? Okay, it says, rejoice always. Rejoice always, just, just for a week. You don't have to try it forever. Just try it for a week. Resist grumbling and murmuring and complaining. Resist it with everything. Park that murmuring, park that complaining and see. tell them, I'll see you next week. But this week, I'm rejoicing. And then you keep on postponing. Okay, that's, that will give good postponement until you can get rid of it altogether. It says rejoice always, and it says pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Okay, nobody said amen about that prayer without ceasing, but let's go to give thanks in all circumstances. Try to, in whatever situation you are this week or the next two weeks, just try, even when you hit a snag in your life and even there's, there's a bit of suffering, just think about something that you can thank God for. Here's a clue. If you can think of nothing, thank God that you're saved. If you can think, think of nothing, I'm sure that there will be many things, but at the, at the very root of it, just thank God that He saved you. That even if the worst thing would happen and you would die, you would be with Him. But just, for, just go and read that scripture and try to be radical. Obey it. Do it. Okay. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. But test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. See, it, it, that's really easy. <laughs> it's, it's just eight verses, and you can live your whole life on that. You can be radical in that. You can, if, if, I mean, if, if I get that right, like just a couple of them, that's going to be a huge improvement. That's going to be a huge improvement in the way that I live my life in Christ. It's going, to be, it's going to be a very big contributing factor. How can I be radical? How about obedience? Let's quickly go to the other one. Maybe the other one is better or easier. It's better. Okay, here we go again. Philippians 4, verse 4 to 9. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, that's that one again. Two out of, so we've got to do that at least. Just bump the guy next to you. Says, I'm going to rejoice this week. I'm going to rejoice this week. Hold me accountable. Okay. And again I say, okay, you should say again now. Rejoice. Okay. It says the following. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Maybe this verse is earlier, this, uh, you know, It's not all the stuff about despising prophecies and all that. Maybe this one's easier. So maybe you should try this one first. Maybe this one for the first week. And when you've done this, then next week we'll tackle 1 Thessalonians. But this week, when anxiety comes, and I want to promise you that anxiety will come. I'm not a doomsday prophet. But it will come. Because if you're going to try and obey that, know that the enemy will come with anxiety at you. But know this, the enemy might plot against you, but God is plotting for you. God is plotting for you. God, with every test, there will be and already is a way of escape. And we encourage you this week to concentrate because I do not think that it's not a question that we don't want to. I think sometimes we just get overrun and overwhelmed by the things of life. And we don't when we, but when we spend time in the Word, and I know, whoever you felt, you know, when I'm anxious, I don't like people quoting Philippians four at me. I for the life of my, I can't imagine why I would resist that, but I sometimes do. Uh, But if we can just say to ourselves, I'm going to be radical, and if any anxiety comes this week, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to come before God with thanksgiving. I'm going to thank God for something. There's that thanksgiving again. I want to just tell you, you will see a radical change in your life if you do this. And the more you do it, the more radical changes you will see. And if you are discipling someone and you can get someone else to do this, I want to tell you that there will be radical transformation. If we can do this for a day, there will be a transformation. If we do this for a week, there will be a radical transformation. If we do it for life, there will be radical, radical transformation in our lives all around. We will experience a peace. We will know the will of God. We would know what God wants to tell us. We would live in the glory of God's prophecies. We would be able to not quench the spirit but walk in the spirit we would be able to do good to everyone and god is gracing us to do this because everything that god commands us in his word there is grace to do i want to say to you this is not impossible this is highly possible by the grace of god but we need just to pay attention how many of you really want to serve God, but then you lose focus? <laughs> and before you know it, it's like anxiety. Before you know it, it's like panic. <laughs> before you know it, it's fear. Well, the Lord says, don't be anxious, but pray. So the Word doesn't just tell you, don't panic, don't be anxious. It actually gives you something to do. It doesn't just say, uh, I'm, you know I'm, I'm a bit anxious today the Lord says don't be anxious you're really anxious <laughs> but you can do something about it you can obey the word of God you can obey the word of God by thanksgiving by supplication by bringing your request to God and then it says "Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will put a God over your heart how you feel over your mind how you think So, I want to say to you that we all have been called to be radical. And we all have been called to be radically obedient to God. Basic, and it's not extraordinary. It's basic. (laughs) It's basic. It's the basics of Christianity. Somebody asked me the other day, Jan, how would you define Christianity? And I said, trust and obey i got to be able to hear my Heavenly Father. And then I do what He says. I trust Him implicitly. Whatever He commands me, I want to do because I know Him. I know Him. And therefore, I'll do it. Even if I don't understand it, I'll do it because I trust Him. And it's especially when I don't understand, and I do, that I actually show my trust in Him trust Him implicitly, whatever He calls me to will eventually work, not only for His glory, but also for my good.
0: Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.